Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Matthew chapter number 21. And I don't think Sean told you, so if you're wondering when the baby is due, it's due, I think the due date is July the 15th, July the 15th, so. Matthew chapter number 21, began reading with verse number 12. Matthew 21, began reading with verse number 12. The Bible says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Father, I thank you today for your incredible, incredible word. God, I just pray today, Lord, that, uh, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit today will be upon the word of the Lord. Father, I just pray that you will give us ears, Lord, upon our heart today. God, may we not just listen, Lord, today with, with, with our ears and just receive in our mind today. But God, I pray that you will help, help us today to get the word of the Lord down into our hearts. God, I pray today you will help me, Lord, to begin, Lord, to, Lord, to, to cause an appetite for prayer. Lord, to become, uh, to, to start happening in the, in the lives of our people, we pray. God, have your way in this place, all for your glory, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, if you've been around the Grace Place, if you've been around our church for a few years, you will will know that at the end of every year, I I take some time, uh, you know, November, December, I take some time and, and I start seeking God for direction uh, for our church for the coming year. And sometimes God speaks very clearly. Uh, sometimes God speaks very specific. Sometimes uh, God gives me a word for the church for the coming year. And sometimes He doesn't. This time, He did. I believe that God wants me to declare 2016 a year of prayer. And so this morning, that's what I am doing this morning. That is the announcement that I wanted you to, really wanted you to, to get this morning. And that is that I am declaring two, the year 2016 as a year of prayer. Now, we began this year with prayer at our Wednesday night all-church uh, prayer meeting this past Wednesday. And it was an incredible, incredible response and an incredible time in the presence of God. This morning, I am beginning a series of sermons on prayer. In the near future, I will begin to build a pastor's prayer partners team. We're going to have several special prayer meetings throughout the year. I want to challenge our worship team to not only practice on Thursday nights, but to make sure that you spend some time 
in prayer. I want to encourage all of our ministry leaders. I, I don't want you just to train the leaders, but I, I want you to get with them and I want you to spend some time in prayer. We need to bathe this year in prayer. And as the year unfolds, I believe that God is going to give to us specific directions concerning prayer. And I must tell you this morning that I get really, really, really excited when I begin to think of all of the various and supernatural results that should be coming our way as a result of a focus on prayer. Now, in our scripture for today, Jesus goes into the temple. And he goes into the temple. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't like what he sees. I wonder if Jesus were to physically walk into the modern church today, I wonder would he like what he saw. I wonder if Jesus were literally to walk through those back doors and literally walk into the grace place this morning, I wonder would he be pleased or would he be angry? Would we receive commendation from the Lord or would we receive chastisement. The Bible says that Jesus was pretty ticked at what he saw in the temple that day. I guess Jesus must have had a little bit of that bulldog spirit in him too. Because he was a little bit ticked. I don't care how you want to put it. He was a little bit ticked that day. He wasn't gentle that day. He didn't try and be politically correct that day. He wasn't afraid that he might hurt somebody's feelings. Righteous indignation arose uh, in, in Jesus, and, he, and the Bible says that Jesus chased the cheaters and the exploiters out of the temple. Literally, the Bible said he literally turned the tables uh, of the money changers upside down. There are four things this morning that, that stand out to me in our scripture for today. Four things that I want to emphasize and I want to focus upon this morning. And the first thing that I see in, in this passage of scripture is I see the purifying. The purifying. And the purifying is found in verse number 12. It says that Jesus went into the temple of God and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold dust. The question I have this morning is, why did Jesus do this? What exactly was going on here? Well, three things. Three things were going on. Let me suggest three things here. First of all, people were being exploited. People, why was Jesus ticked? Why was Jesus angry? Because people were being exploited. Animals were being sold for sacrifice in the temple, which was okay. The problem was some were taking advantage of people by selling at unfair prices. And they were exchanging foreign currency with unfair and wrong value. People were literally getting rich through exploitation. But I ask you this morning, has anything changed? 
And so it continues today as celebrity preachers exploit the ministry and exploit God's people and manipulate them into buying them Lear jets and huge, and huge mansions. Jesus watched as, as people with, 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 with pure motives, people with pure hearts, would come into the temple to worship, and yet they would be taken advantage of by the very ones that were supposed to minister to them. But not only were people being exploited, but also people were being excluded. See, all of the buying and selling and, and currency exchanging was taking place at the outer court of the temple. And it became like a giant flea market. And there were so many people buying and selling that uh, there wasn't any room left for what the outer court was designed for. You see, you see at that time, at that time the Gentiles were not allowed into the temple. They had to worship in the outer court. But because of all the people buying and selling there, they didn't, have, they didn't have room or space for their actual worship. And therefore, people were being excluded, literally crowded out. As I begin to think about this this week, I begin to wonder, I, I wonder how many people the church today excludes from worship. People who, who want to come into the church, but because we have become so exclusive, they have a desire. They don't know all about it. They don't really know what they're seeking for or seeking after, but, but, but for whatever reason, they have a desire and they try to get into the church, but they can't, in, they can't get in because we have become so exclusive. We've made so many man-made rules. That's what the Pharisees did back, back in the day. They took the law and then they added all of their twists and their turns and their add-ons and their additions. But I'm telling you that we have done the same thing with Christianity today. We have become, we, we've made so many man-made rules that, and we've become so exclusive. We have put up so many legalistic barriers. The Gentiles came to worship, but because there was so much buying and selling, because there was so much hustle and bustle, because there were so many people there, because there was so much activity there, they couldn't even do what they were supposed to be doing. I wonder if sometimes we get so busy in the house of God doing all so many other things that we really don't even have time to focus upon what the church is really supposed to be all about. Maybe people come to church with pure motives and they are seeking and they are searching. And yet when they get on the inside of the church, they see the hypocrisy. They see the hypocrisy in the church or, or they are made to feel like outsiders and so they feel crowded out. Let me tell you that my number one prayer for the grace place is that we will grow into our name. 
See, I don't believe God said call your church the grace place so that we would have some modern, up-to-date, cool name. Let me tell you, I believe it's a modern, up-to-date, cool name. I love it. I can't tell you how many people tell me, what, when they ask me where, what church I pastor, and I tell them the grace place. Oh, I love that name. But let me tell you this morning, we didn't call the grace place the grace place because we got online and we looked up online and we looked up all the cool names and we picked out one. No, I've never even heard of the grace place in my entire life. And when we actually did look online a few years ago, there was only one. But we call it the grace place because God called, told us, told me to call the church the grace place. But listen, I believe it's called the grace place because God wants us to build a place of grace. And my number one prayer for the grace place is that we will grow into our name, the grace place. Oh, a place where grace is extended. I'm not talking about lowering our standards this morning. Don't read that into it this morning. I'm not talking about watering down the Word of God. If you think that, you haven't been around me very long. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about, amen, becoming a grace place, amen. Oh, becoming a place where grace is extended. Oh, I'm talking about growing into our name where we become a loving place. We become an accepting place. We become a caring place. We become a healing place. Not only were people being exploited and, and people being excluded, number three, people were eventually exposed. No doubt there had been corruption in the temple for a long, long time. But this time when Jesus walked into the temple, this time Jesus had his Popeye moment. I've had alls, I can stands, I can stands no more. And Jesus purified and cleansed the temple. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back one day, but He's not just coming back. And it says He's coming back for the church, but it doesn't just say He's coming back for a church, but He says that He's coming back for a pure church. He's coming back for a holy church. He's coming back for a righteous church. The Bible said Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or without wrinkle. Let me tell you that when I look around and I see the church today, I see a lot of spots and I see a lot of wrinkles. And I personally believe that before Jesus returns, He will first purify His church. Before He returns in the rapture, Jesus will first cleanse His bride, the church. I personally believe that we will see God expose ministers and ministries that have been exploiting the people and He has been doing this for quite some time now. I believe that we are entering into the time when God is going to begin to purify His Church, I believe the time of purification to get us ready for the return of Christ is beginning right now. 1 Peter 4.17 says the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? I personally believe that one of the reasons... And one of the main purposes of God impressing me to declare 2016 as a year of prayer is because God wants to purify our church. Write this down this morning. Here's what I know about prayer. Prayer will cause you to quit sinning or sin will cause you to quit praying. 
Prayer will cause you to quit sinning. Or sin will cause you to quit praying. So the first thing that I see in our scripture today is the purifying. The second thing that I see in our, in our scripture for today is the priority. And the priority is found in verse number 13. Jesus said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. See, God's house had become everything other than what it was intended to be. Jesus said, My house shall be called the house of prayer. He said, But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Literally a den of thieves. Notice the phrase, the house of prayer. Jesus said, my house is the house of prayer. Let me suggest three things here this morning. Number one, this is God's desire for his house. God's desire for his house. Now hear me this morning, hear me. I, don't, I, I honestly do not think God has a problem with today's sound, today's lights, and today's relevant methods. I don't think God has a problem with that. As long as we don't forget what the priority is, and the priority is prayer. Communing with God, talking to God, and allowing God to talk to us. The words of that old hymn says, Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Prayer is God's desire for his house, but it's also God's design for his house. God's design for his house. See, see, the main purpose of God's house should be prayer. And yet so often it's the least thing that we do. Fact of the matter is today some churches don't pray at all in their services. Fact of the matter is I have been criticized for still praying over people's prayer requests. Because we put people's prayer requests on the screen and we pray over the prayer requests of the people. I have been criticized for still doing that. I have been criticized for still bringing people to the front at the end of the service and closing in prayer. What? Jesus said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Let me tell you this morning that I plan to pray more in this church in the future. We're talking about the priority right now. The priority. Not only is prayer God's desire and God's design for His house, it's also God's description of His house. I find it interesting. Sean already said it, but it's because he's heard me say it. I find it interesting that Jesus did not call his house a house of worship. And all the worship team just gave me a dirty look right then. I find it interesting that Jesus, when he's describing his house, he did not call his house a house of worship. He did not call his house a house of preaching. He did not call his house a house of teaching. 
He did not call his house, my house shall be called a house of fellowship. Didn't call his house a house of fellowship. Didn't call his house a house of outreach. Now all the outreach people are mad at me. Didn't call his house. My house will be called a house of outreach. We'll be called a house of evangelism. No, no, no. When Jesus described his house, he described it this way by saying, My house shall be called the house of prayer. Now please don't misunderstand me this morning. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there shouldn't be worship in the house of God. I'm not saying there shouldn't be teaching and preaching in the house of God. I'm not saying there not, should not be fellowship in the house of God. I'm not saying there shouldn't be outreach and evangelism in the house of God. And Jesus wasn't either. Listen to me. Hear me this morning. Hear this very clearly this morning. The reason why prayer must be a priority, why it must be a house of prayer, the reason why the church must be a place of prayer is because without prayer, everything else is ineffective. See, without prayer, we get what man can do. With prayer, we get what God can do. Doesn't mean we shouldn't preach, but it means that before we preach, we better pray. Doesn't mean we shouldn't worship. It means that not only should we gather and tune the instruments and, you know, make sure everybody's on key and everybody's singing their harmony part and make sure we're doing everything with quality, but also before we get up, amen, and we start the worship song, amen, we better first bathe it in prayer because if it's not bathed in prayer, it's just going to be a performance. And the only way that it's going to turn from a performance, amen, to actual worship is if we pray. The reason why prayer must be a priority is because without prayer, whatever else we do will be ineffective. Which leads me to point number three. The third thing I see in our scripture today is the power. And we see this in verse 14. says, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. May I suggest that the way to ensure power in the church is to get Jesus to show up. And one of the ways to get Jesus to show up is to invite him through prayer. Let me say three things about power this morning. Number one, when prayer is the focus... Miracles will follow. When prayer is the focus, miracles will follow. Billy Graham said, Heaven is filled with answers to prayer that nobody bothered to pray. Heaven is, is full of answered prayer that nobody bothered to ask for. I believe the greatest hindrance to answered prayer is the lack of prayer. I believe that God stands ready, willing, and able oh, oh, to give us the desire of our heart and, and to do in us and through us what, what we would have Him do in and through us. And all He is waiting for is for somebody to come boldly under the throne of grace. Because those that come boldly under the throne of grace, the Bible says, shall find grace to help in the time of need. 
Second thing I want to say here, and that is a prayerless church is a powerless church. A prayerless church is a powerless church. If I haven't made you mad yet, I will now. You can have a cool church without prayer. You can have a friendly church without prayer. You can have a well-educated and doctrinally sound church without prayer. You can even have a growing church without prayer. But you can't have a powerful church without prayer. And God's power comes only one way, and that is through prayer. And the third thing I want to say here on the power this morning, and that is prayer is the fuel that keeps the fire hot. In the book of the Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus rebukes the church of Laodicea. And Jesus said to them that they were neither cold nor hot, but rather they were a tepid or putrid lukewarm. Jesus said they were neither blazing hot nor ice cold. Rather, they were room temperature, or in other words, they were the temperature of their surroundings. May I suggest to you that without prayer, you will be the temperature of your surroundings. Obviously, in the church of the Laodiceans, somebody stopped praying. Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps the prayer meeting had been replaced with creative ideas and the latest and greatest innovations. Now hear me this morning, please hear me, hear everything I have to say, don't pick and choose. Listen, creative ideas are good. They are needed in order to remain relevant today. And let me tell you this this morning, as a guy that's about to turn 61, let me tell you that the cool factor sure beats cheesy. I kind of like our cool church. Kind of like our cool settings and our cool platform. You know, I design all this stuff and I get these guys. No, I don't. Thank God I don't. Amen. Thank you for that amen back to brother. When I needed you, where were you? (laughs) Hey, creative ideas are good. They're needed in order to remain relevant. The cool factor sure beats cheesy. But let me, hear me this morning. Hear me, hear my heart this morning. Cool doesn't produce power. Innovation doesn't produce power. Talent doesn't produce power. Charisma doesn't produce power. The Laodicean church was once on fire. Oh, but the real problem was they thought they still were. They were like Samson. Who the Bible said he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. 
The Laodicean church was tepid. They were lukewarm. They were room temperature. They thought they were on fire. Jesus said that. He said in verse 17, He said, You say, I'm rich and I become wealthy and I don't need anything. But Jesus said, You don't know that you are actually wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I wonder how many people once were on fire. Oh, the fire of the Holy Spirit was ablaze on the inside of them. Today they are a putrid lukewarm. The problem is they think they're still on fire. I suggest the church of Laodicea had learned how to have church. I think that's what's happening in modern America today. We're learning how to have church. Perhaps the church of Laodicea had learned how to have church. Man, they could put on a service like nobody else. They had become confident in their abilities. They had begun to rely on mere human talent and creativity and innovation. But all the while they were doing this, the fire of the Holy Spirit grew smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And although they looked smoking hot on the outside, but on the inside the temperature of their soul and the temperature of their spirit had grown cold and had gone lukewarm and tepid and, and, pu- and, and, and uh, putrid lukewarm. Somebody... Somebody had quit praying. Prayer is the fuel that keeps the fire hot. Hear me this morning. There's a big difference in a gifted speaker and an anointed man of God. The day of the preacher is in the past. We are communicators today. Well, you come along too late for me. I want to communicate. I want to touch my audience. I want to connect with my audience. But listen, my Bible didn't tell me that I'm supposed to be some communicator. Let me tell you, there's a big difference in a gifted speaker and anointed man of God. And I want to tell you, I don't care what everybody else, what everybody else does. Amen. Yeah, I might tone down myself a little bit just because I'm getting a little older and losing a little bit of energy. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to preach like me to be anointed. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm telling you today, there's a big difference in a gifted speaker and an anointed man of God. There's a big difference in a talented worship leader and an anointed one. Listen to me, hear me this morning, there's a big difference in a church that runs like a well-oiled machine and one that has the oil of the Holy Spirit flowing in it. I want to tell you, I don't want to run like a well-oiled machine. No, I want the oil of the Holy Spirit, amen, running through my church. I'm declaring 2016 a year of prayer. Prayer purifies Prayer must become a priority. 
Prayer will produce the power to change lives. And that, my friend, is the business that we are in. We are in, not in the church business. We are not in the cool business. We are not in the latest and greatest. We are in the business of changing lives. And I want the Spirit of God to change hearts and change lives. That's our business. And the only way that business is going to thrive is if we are a church that knows how to pray. Give the Lord a shout of praise in His house today. I'm out of time, but I'm not out of notes. The fourth and last thing I see in today's sermon, or in today's scripture, and that is the praise. The praise. We find this in verses 15 and 16. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, speaking of Jesus, And the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these people are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Two things about praise and then I'm done this morning. Number one, proper praise centers on the Savior. Proper praise centers on the Savior. It's funny to me. The religious leaders didn't recognize who Jesus was, but the children did. See, children's hearts are still very tender. Present Jesus to a group of children and 99% of them will embrace him. The religious leaders that were in the temple, the priests and the scribes, rejected the very one they taught was coming. I don't know this morning, perhaps they rejected Jesus because the people stopped looking to them for answers and spiritual guidance and started looking to Jesus. Perhaps, perhaps when the attention was no longer on the religious leaders and now was focused upon Jesus, jealousy began to come out and come up and well up in the, on the inside of the religious leaders. Proper praise centers on the Savior. Listen to me this morning. Hear me, ministry leaders. We must not allow the focus to be on us. We must not draw undue attention to us. We must point people to Jesus. Listen to me this morning. A successful service is not when people leave and they say, Wow! What a great worship! What a great worship team! Wow! What awesome preaching! No, no, no! A successful service is when people leave and they say, Wow! Isn't God good? They leave and they say, Wow! Wasn't the presence of God wonderful? They leave, oh, and their life has been impacted. Two things about praise. Proper praise centers on the Savior. Number two, improper praise centers on self. Hear me this morning, write this down. It's not about the song. It's about the Savior. It's not about the song. It's about the Savior. It's not about hymns. Versus choruses. 
It's not about traditional versus contemporary. Do you not understand that what we call traditional today, when it was first introduced, it was contemporary? Do we not understand that? What we call traditional was once called contemporary? It's not about hymns versus courses. It's not about tradition versus contemporary. It's not about lights or no lights. It should never be about style. It should never be about preference. It should never be about tradition. Improper praise centers on self. Proper praise centers on the Savior. So if you cannot worship with this newfangled contemporary worship, shame on you. And young hip buck, if you can't visit grandma's church and they're still singing out of the melodies of praise, praise page 156, come and dine. And you shove the book back and say, I can't worship with that. Shame on you. Because it's not about the song. It's about the Savior. Amen. Proper praise centers on the Savior. Improper praise centers on self. If we could get the worship team back in place this morning, very quickly this morning. Very quickly this morning. Amen. Our takeaway this morning, our takeaway for the, for the message today is, number one, when you get out of focus, you miss your target. When you get out of focus, you miss your target. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer should be the main focus of the church because prayer is the fuel that keeps the fire hot. And prayer will provide the power to make all the ministries of the church effective. Amen? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer will provide the power to make all the ministries of the church effective. Stand with me in his presence this morning. I want to reiterate, but I want you to hear it this morning. We're going to, we're calling the year 2016. A year of prayer, the emphasis, the focus, the drive. Not, doesn't mean we're not going to do anything else. Doesn't mean we're undoing it. No, that's, we're going to, it's going to be a, a focus of prayer. We're going to open the front doors and open the auditorium every Wednesday this year from noon to one. So you can come on your lunch hour. I know that's not everybody's lunch hour. I understand all that. But from noon to one, the door's going to be open. The auditorium's going to be open. And you can come and you can go. And you're, on your, those of you that, that have jobs close enough that you could do that. Those of you that are retired, I encourage you to come and, and pray with us for an hour. And I'll be here. The staff will be here. We'll pray. We'll seek God. If, if you can't, it's just impossible for you to get here. On your lunch hour, especially if you possibly can, from noon to one, find some, some time in the corner somewhere, go sit in your car or whatever, go get, find a closet somewhere and spend some time in prayer every Wednesday night or every Wednesday from noon to one or sometime in that time. And let, let's pray and let's speak, see God. We're going to have some special prayer meetings throughout this year. I'm going to, after I, or sometime 
in the midst or after whatever, whatever it turns out to be. With this uh, uh, series on prayer, I'm going to begin to develop a pastor's prayer team. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I don't want to just see people come in this building and they're coming. Man, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. I don't want them to just come in here. I want them to come in here and I want their lives to be changed. I want them to be an, an impact upon them. I want them to, when they walk in the, and they just open those doors, they just, man, it just hits them. Just hits them. The sense of the awe and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Come on down here. Everybody get down here. We've got a couple of minutes left. Everybody come. Everybody come, please. I don't know about you, but I just sense a, an excitement in my heart, an excitement in my spirit. I don't even know what these terms mean, but I just think God's going to do just something fresh. He's going to do something in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, our ministries. Not telling you there won't be any problems or difficulties or trials or tests or heartaches or any of that this year. Yeah, it'll all come. It's just life. But I'm going to tell you what, if you'll be a praying people, even when it comes, you'll be better prepared for it. And you'll see it with a whole different perspective. You may not like my theology. You can correct it at your church when you're pastor. But I believe not always, not always, but I believe sometimes God allows things to happen in our life because we're not praying. Things to get our attention. And then we fall upon our knees and we cry out to God. I don't know. I can say, you don't like that theology. I got other theology you'll like. I also think a lot of the things that happened to us would not have happened if we had just simply been a people of prayer. That's the reason why I called every one of my kids and grandkids and parents and in-laws, a couple of outlaws. I name them every day, almost every day. And I pray a hedge of protection around them and I plead the blood of Jesus over every single one. How many believe we might be on to something today? How many believe, how many, how many of you say, you know what, this, it rings true in my spirit. It rings true in my spirit. Let's just cry out to God right now, everybody. Let's just pray right now. Just pray, just cry out to God. We're a Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, whatever label you want to put on us. We believe that it's okay that everybody prays together. And we believe it's all right, everybody prays out loud. And you don't have to be loud and boisterous like I am, but I just want you to open your mouth this morning and not just pray in your mind. There's something about, about speaking the Word. So I want you to open your mouth this morning. I want to let the words come out this morning. I just want you to just begin to pray. I just want you to begin to pray, begin to call out to God, begin to cry out to God. Praise Him, worship Him.
petition Him. Just cry out to Him. Cry out to Him. And here's one prayer I want you to pray, and that is, God, make me hungry for prayer. God, give me a, give me a desire. Give me a desire to pray. Let me tell you what I've learned. I've learned that, the, and this is, I'm telling you, the, the more I pray, the more I want to pray. But let me tell you that when I begin to get so busy that I'm not praying as much, it's easier for me not to pray. I don't have as great of an urgency to pray when I'm not praying like I should. But when I'm praying really well and praying a lot, I just have a, a desire, a desire to pray, a desire to be in His presence. So I want you to make that a prayer this morning before you leave, and that is, God, help me. God, help me to have a desire. God, put a desire in my heart. God, put a desire down deep on the inside of me to seek Your face, God, to call out to You, to cry out to You, to spend time in Your presence, oh God. Pray that prayer along with the other prayers you're praying this morning.